0: Barbies, Hunter Biden scandals, and presidential campaign blunders. We're glad to have our president, Victoria Cobb, back in the hot seat this week, and we're going to pick her brain on some of the latest news headlines. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with Victoria Cobb. Well, Victoria, it's great to have you back in person. We
1: missed you. D- did you miss us? Yeah. Yes, I did. I didn't necessarily miss the stress of work, but I did miss all the people. Yeah, it was good. Well, it is so great to have you
0: personally in the seat, and we're not just relying on Slammer Hammer, who's a little <laughs> bit worse for the
1: wear. Yeah, he's had, um, he's had some journeys, so he's... He's taped up, as you can see. We had to literally put him back together. Yeah.
0: um I don't know if people can see they're, they're, yeah, <laughs> there's been some damage. I tried to protect
1: him in a book a lot of times when I would take him places. But, slammer hammer. Yeah.
0: All right, well, I have to confess that we did get behind on Slammer (laughs) Hammer picks, and so we're going to do a little catch-up today and just throw a bunch up there. Okay. Um, So I see that Slammer Hammer decided to become a modern-day patriot and accompany your family on the Freedom Trail. Tell us about that. Yeah,
1: we did a lot of... My kids actually hadn't been to New England, which I found kind of tragic because I grew up going there a lot, and so they hadn't done any of that history, so we took Slammer Hammer and the kids, and actually what was really funny is we went up to the Massachusetts She says legislature and we walk in and I wanted to see the inside of the Capitol, which is on the Freedom Trail. (laughs) I walk in and they're having a rally on medical freedom and parental rights and all that. And they apparently, you know, they're a year round legislature. So it's really uncommon that they have these big rallies. It wasn't like, you know, how we have 45 days and it's constant chaos. This is like a big deal. And I'm like. I'm not at work i'm not at work (laughs) i'm in i'm on vacation
0: (laughs) your poor family is probably like we just
1: can't get away from this it was really funny (laughs) but our sister organization was doing a great job mobilizing people so that was really random
0: (laughs) all right well one picture we have of slammer hammer is in front of faneuil hall Yes. and that's where they have like the stamp act protest sugar act and eventually the the uh protesting against the tea act um i think it was yeah um, so did you want to highlight anything else that Slammerhammer did?
1: No, about- but I just absolutely encourage everybody to do the Freedom Trail if you haven't yeah. done it. It's just great history, all of it. I mean, and Emma, of course, for school had to, had to memorize the, um, Paul Revere, the Longworth... Uh, poem. And so, of course, we get to all the Paul yeah. Revere stuff. And so, you know, it was very fun.
0: All right. Well, just to mention a few of the other Slammer Hammer picks that we're going to throw up for our YouTube viewers. So there's one on a boat near Boston. Yes. I have to be on uh, water.
1: So, water <laughs> has to be included in all vacations.
0: <laughs> uh On top of Beehive Hike in Acadia National yes, Park. Yes.
1: This was a great part of just our family likes to be active. And so we yeah. did a bunch of hiking in Acadia. And that is, if you have never done that, it's well worth the I, effort
0: i get the idea you guys don't do a lot of laying around and just
1: i mean we like our beach laying <laughs> on the beach i mean i like it all but um yeah i really enjoy an active vacation there was yeah. there were times where our kids were like okay we just did the freedom trail all day and then we're going to the you know we went to the um baseball game at night which also is a lot of walking and whatever to get there and <laughs> so there were times yeah. where the kids were like um this is very active but i prefer it That's that way fun. i've always yeah. wanted to go to that stadium yeah it's an amazing stadium yeah yeah uh,
0: all right. And then finally, I guess there's one from the Concord and Lexington. Yes, <laughs> so of course. We had to
1: go to the battlefield. You know, you, yeah. you just kind of have to. And my husband's a history guy, so you're oh. going to have to do all that. And, um, yeah, so that was good. Um, I, I should mention Slammer Hammer did not get into Fenway. It was just too hard yeah. to. You yeah, know, that they're... would have been a fun one. Anyway, yeah, sorry about that. So. All right.
0: Well, I have to expose a, a dirty little secret beneath all this. And
1: that is I have learned that your family actually hated Slammer hammer. <laughs> yes, they did. My kids did not enjoy bringing him along, did not like when I'd be like, Hey, let's get a picture of Slammer <laughs> Hammer. They were um, I mean they they, they willingly put, put up with it, but for some reason they did not find it entertaining. He's just a distraction around the maybe. I guess I think they just had fun hating on Slammer <laughs> yeah. Hammer. Like I think it was a thing, you know? Like kids just He, he I don't was know.
0: rejected by the Cobb family. He had so. some he
1: had an association <laughs> with work. And so therefore yeah, but, yes. which I think is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, we'll 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 create a safe refuge yes. for him. Here a safe place for Sam, Slammer Hammer. Um, but diving right in since we haven't gotten to hear the benefit of your thoughts on all the news sure. happening lately. I was really excited to have you come in today <laughs> and just pick your brain on several different topics. And of course, the most important one is Barbie.
1: <laughs> okay. Yes. um, um it's hot,
0: Barbie. hot right now.
1: Barbie <laughs> is everywhere. everywhere. <laughs>
0: Whether you like it or not, um, Barbie's all over my Facebook page with people debating about whether you should go see Barbie or not. I walked in a shoe store the other day, and there are Barbie doll displays in there. And I'm just thinking, what is this doing in here? I'm trying to buy shoes. Yep. Pink everywhere all of a sudden. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Can't get away from it. Um, But you and I were talking about this kind of irony that seems to be in our culture right now where here's this film – That is celebrating, trying to celebrate the empowerment of women, feminism, um, you know. But then at the same time in our culture, we can't even define what a woman is. So what's going on?
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting that they went crazy and made this movie and tried to make these big statements out of Barbie. You know, Barbie, I mean, you got to go back to the roots of Barbie, you know. And this, I guess they tried to make that point at the beginning of the movie where these, you know, dolls were always baby dolls, right? So kids always played House with them. They were the mom, the baby doll was the the baby, and Barbie was supposed to be the revolutionary. Like, no, this is you imagining your life as, you know, a perfect life when you're older or whatever, I guess was the concept. You don't have to just be a mom. You know, there's all these articles written of sort of like what Barbie was supposed to do to the doll. And I guess at the beginning of the movie, they like smashed the Oh, traditional dolls, which yeah, it's kind of like creepy. I didn't. It was a little. disturbing. I don't really understand that whole Space Odyssey spoof thing and how it all. Yeah, but
0: I, I, I watched the trailer. It is. I mean, because the baby dolls look kind of like real babies. Yeah, and they're breaking them on the ground. It's a little disturbing. It's a.
1: It's a little odd. So there's all that going on, and yet Barbie was. The, the thing about Barbie is she's the ridiculously perfect image of a female, like an unrealistic. I mean, the dimensions, the whole thing mm-hmm. is is not possible. And so that yeah. you've got this so to me that's that's almost what feminism is trying to go against is like that a female has to be perfect and has to look perfect and you know I mean all that there's but so yet many they're ironies. but they're throwing <laughs> yeah. all this in there and then there's the whole issue of motherhood and you know they seem to diss on motherhood a little bit mm-hmm. in this movie. Um there's I guess I'll, I guess somewhere in there there's some kind of line that basically um the, the Barbie goes up to the mother Barbie doll and kind of says well the you're one you're, you're getting off. discontinued like uh. like uh, what uh, you know I, mean, I guess they come back and they make it right by the end but I it's just oh uh, the pregnant maybe yeah, a, there was like a pregnant Barbie or
0: something. it's just bizarre
1: <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just a strange movie with a lot of you if you read about it what people say about it the takeaways yeah. are all over the place but what I think is really interesting is we're in this moment right now where more women are choosing motherhood they're choosing stay-at-home lifestyle where they're not actually out in the workforce right. and doing a hundred other things, which is a, is a real turnaround mm-hmm. in our culture. We were sort of trending towards more and more women going to work, even if they were having kids, they were in the workforce. And now 2023, it says 20, something like 24% of women are staying home, which is up like 8% over just a year or two ago. So mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, we saw COVID and people were home with their kids by force and I think they quickly realized, oh, there's something to this. This is actually a really wonderful thing. And now this year in particular, the stats are saying people are leaving jobs and their number one reason is staying home with kids. So whatever Barbie movie is doing, I'm not sure yeah. it's picking up on what's actually happening in our culture.
0: Yeah, because I guess that little girl smashing baby dolls scene is supposed to be like that, that they're getting free from some constricting parameters. Right. Um, but do you feel like, to your point, in a sense that the woke culture and Hollywood—they're trying to have it both ways. They don't have
1: a clue what. <laughs> yes, they've they've had to they've had to uh, sort of take down the idea of motherhood and being home with your kids and make that a negative thing for so long, and they've tried to take down the perfect woman, but then they throw this movie and they make all these mixed messages. I think they don't know what they what they truly want because mm-hmm. I think they just uh, they've just missed the boat and they've been trying so hard to produce. Mm-hmm. I don't know this independent woman that has it all, but doesn't have to be it all. It's it's very confusing to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw that also. There is a character in this movie that is apparently a biological man playing <laughs> of a female. Barbie so again the irony of trying to celebrate the empowerment of women when you have a male <laughs>
1: acting as a female yeah, this it doesn't something, work something fyi isn't. these two things collide feminism and transgenderism do not work together because essentially in order to have that construct you are saying that really being a woman is all about actually all the stereotypes because that that male right becomes a woman when he puts on makeup what <laughs> I mean, just it to doesn't go, make
0: sense to, to your earlier point I think they actually did a study of the dimensions of Barbie.
1: Oh, it's messed up. (laughs) Yeah, if you had a real life woman. it's like 18 inch (laughs) waist and like 36 inch bust and like 33 inch hips. Just imagine, could you even like walk with, I don't know, anyway.
0: Maybe don't use a stereotype to fight a stereotype. Right, (laughs) right. Um, I will just mention, it was interesting to read about this kind of emotional diatribe that um, America Ferrera as I think her character was Gloria, but but she gave this whole speech, kind of stump speech, um, glorifying feminism, and it kind of camped out on how women have to live up to all these double standards. I mean, if you read it, the emotion of it does kind of, I could see where it resonates. You know, as you and I do career women, we have encountered some of this stuff, but she's kind of capitalizing on that whole victimhood refrain and the double standard
1: problems in our society. Um, well, and remember, there's a whole section of the movie that's about Ken. When he goes into the real world, he finds out that there's all this patriarchy. Like, <laughs> the men rule the real world. And, like, in the in the Barbie land, it's more like the women kind of can do what they want. and The men just live at the beach and whatever. But no, in the real world. So he likes that and tries to go back right. and impose that. I mean, what they're trying to say about culture is just such a, a, a strange mixed-up message that I don't know how people walk away with any clarity. Yeah, I guess it just...
0: Underscores what this movie really reveals is all the contradictions yes, in our culture right. right now. And what would you say the answer to that is? Uh, as a woman who has a family, uh, wonderful career. I, I think it's wonderful. You, you know, you have challenges <laughs> yeah. fighting the culture war, but... Well, I mean, I think it's um, amazing. You
1: know, coming off sabbatical, where I was with my family all the time, yeah. That that the idea that we would ever in any way diminish that for women, that is such an amazing, powerful thing that the, I, anybody that tried to shove that down and say somehow career was better or something that's just not gonna be what's in the heart of most women when they're actually with their children, they t- tend to love motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's hard, <laughs> like, and they, you know, we're, we're not gonna glamorize anything. But I just, I, I think that, that culture needs to embrace both. And they can, they absolutely can. They can absolutely cherish motherhood and they can honor stay-at-home moms, moms that don't, yeah. don't work and their entire work is in their home. And they can honor women that also are trying to have a career. And we don't have to, it doesn't have to be this, this one image in order to get where they want to go I guess
0: <laughs> it just it seems like we're trying to destroy the the core of who a woman is even yes. biologically and I just Chloe Cole her interview with me when she talked about being in high school and hearing the family development class and it just coming on her like this revelation I that, that she I want won't that. be able
1: to I mean I remember her telling me like she wouldn't be able to breastfeed yeah. and learning like the idea that she's transitioned and lost part of what it is to be a to woman be and that is desperately sad I mean I I mean that out of everything she said for some reason when she said that I was the same for me. I was yeah. it hurt you know it, it yeah. you know it just was one of those wow you can there's some things you can't get back mm-hmm. and no matter yeah. how much I know there's I, I don't know if you've been following the headlines about like chest feeding and the ridiculousness of trying to teach men I mean th- it's never it can't be replicated yeah. it can't be intim- for- I- I- imitated. It's. it's never gonna be
0: for those of you that aren't up on that, they're now referring to chest feeding. Yeah, I'm sorry. So that they can be all inclusive for men right. supposedly do this, so even they, though they, that's they, not biologically possible. Right. I don't think that is. Right. Um, well, moving along, I will talk about a redeeming movie that my husband and I saw. And we actually did another um, Richmond tradition. Okay. We made it to the Goochland Drive-In Theater. Oh,
1: that's a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> we thought it was awesome. I yeah. mean, it was a nice summer night. It just was a fun they were playing old music and i like the retro commercials yeah it's a great
1: family friendly thing to do with your kids depending on what movies they're showing and stuff we love it. so we
0: saw sound of freedom and you know i won't say i found that that was entertaining because i really had a hard time it was tough the content i mean i think it's absolutely necessary to bring this to the public eye on sex trafficking but listening to the actors play these roles where they're investigators, and they have to assume the role of a assume the role of a pedophile. I found that personally tough to listen to. I mean, I'm just gripping Michael's hand because it was so hard. I have a hard um, time with anything where children yeah. are harmed,
1: even if it's yeah. to shed light on the fact that children are harmed. I have a hard time I mean, watching it.
0: They did a tasteful job of of that of, of showing the reality without getting too graphic into all that. But still, it was it was tough to, wa- to watch. Um, it was. Um, suspenseful. It was an action. You know, it, toward the end, it was just action that was compelling. Um, but I gotta say, the most powerful impact on me was, I think, this statistic that they flashed up at the end of the screen. And I'm just gonna read it because it's it's jaw dropping. I didn't realize this. Human trafficking is a hundred fifty billion a year. A hundred fifty billion a year industry. The U.S. is one of the top destinations for human trafficking and is one of the top consumers for child sex. There are more humans trapped today in slavery than at any point in human history, including when slavery was legal. I mean, think about that. Yeah,
1: but, uh, uh, yeah. and I, I think what was most disturbing to me about this movie is that, the, that Hollywood just would not embrace it. I mean, it was like clearly being... Um, quieted you know it was people went to see it I mean it actually beat box office records on all Indiana Jones I know can you believe I mean I was kind of shocked because I just figured gosh that's kind of a legendary movie to
0: go up against I mean
1: I kind of felt bad that it was going to have to go up against it but it fared really well but I just felt like there was absolutely an effort by Hollywood to quiet this movie down to not encourage people to go to not be supportive and we know Hollywood has a long track record I hate to say it of being actually involved in sex trafficking
0: yeah I think you can document those connections um I will say I heard an interesting interview with the producer at Eduardo I think it was um who also plays a role in the movie um but he was saying that um originally the movie that they were contracted with to do this film got bought out by Disney and then Disney comes along and says well this movie isn't for us and, you know, that I think that's just very revealing. <laughs> think and, about
1: the movies that Disney's okay with. Yeah. <laughs> but then when we actually want to shine light on some of the disturbing things, yeah, you know, we're out. That's disappointing.
0: And so just kind of bringing it back to the whole Barbie thing. Again, you have this movie that claims to be um, taking on exploitation of women or raising up women. And yet we're turning a blind eye. Hol- Hollywood is turning a blind eye to this huge $150, $1 billion industry. You know, right in their own backyard. Yeah, so.
1: it's it's easier to uh, to talk about things if you aren't connected to them, right? Like nobody, they don't want anybody shining a light mm-hmm. in what's going on in Hollywood, which is super sad. I'm all glad right. the movie was successful, nevertheless, despite that.
0: All right, I know we need to move on here, but yeah. I just want to ask one question. Yeah? Why do you think that movie was so successful? Because it's a hard topic. It didn't have all the Barbie promotion it didn't have any of those advantages, and yet it beat out um, the latest Indiana
1: Jones. So, what, what do you think the deal is with that? I think people know there's this underbelly and they don't know much about it, but they know that it is tragically a major part of our country. I mean, to your point, I, I, and I think people are aware of that and trying to figure out what, what do we do? How do we? How do we want? Yes, we want to do something something about it. And of course, it's, you know, deeply linked to the pornography industry, which is a whole other thing that we, you know, we work Mm -hmm. on at at this organization is just the things that feed into Mm -hmm. sex trafficking. And um, absolutely does. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to move
0: from movies to politics. Okay. (laughs) So much better. All right. All right. Well, of course, the really the biggest thing that's been happening while you've been gone. Well, of course, we've had all these indictments against President Trump around the January 6th matter. But at the same time, there's this whole controversy that just keeps brewing around Hunter Biden. And it is not getting less. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger, even though, you know, they obviously want this to go away. It is not going away. You mean the
1: laptop is real?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that laptop is just the gift that keeps on giving Uh, but just to mention a few things happening, you know, we had the mysterious cocaine bag show up in the White House while you were gone, yes! Victoria.
1: Who's cocaine? Surprise <laughs> surprised it doesn't have a name on it.
0: Um, we had the Hunter-Biden plea agreement dramatically fall apart in, in court. I don't know if you got to see any of that, but it really was quite fascinating. Right. This hero judge, I guess, deciding to stand up. Against- yeah, didn't want to be a part of the <laughs> yeah.
1: corruption, I guess. I don't know. I was I was glad to see some aspect of this be righted, I guess. Yeah, there's,
0: <laughs> there's still courageous there's people <laughs> out there. <laughs> Um, And now we have Devin Archer, this business partner, former business partner of Hunter Biden, saying that, I mean, this is just fascinating. He's giving testimony that Hunter constantly put his dad, which is President Biden, on the speakerphone like 20 times when he was having his, you know, high level uh, business meetings. I'm assuming with these billion-dollar, million-dollar. But wait a people. second. I
1: thought the president swore he knew nothing about his son's business dealings. I'm pretty right. sure I heard him say that like a hundred times.
0: Right. Yeah. That he wasn't involved. Yeah. I don't know um, anything.
1: I don't know. And at one point I heard an interview where somebody actually said, "Don't you at this point, don't you, like you've had tons of time to like investigate, like don't yeah. you shouldn't you know by now because well, he held that line for a long time."
0: Yeah, let's let's go to that real quick because I think we should play that um, because it's really it's really just been I think you pointed out to me maddening to see the double standard in the media with how they are covering this, and they've kind of like you said we've moved from the president never being involved or even speaking to his son about business to Biden's press secretary kind of subtly trying to nuance and say well now President Biden has was quote never in business it's moved. Right, <laughs> it's never in, in business. business so
1: we, I guess we've. Made we didn't it more know poor. about, but now we're not in business with. Yep. Let's just listen to that real quick.
0: I'm curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his. Business. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. Okay. Very interesting, she said he was never in business with his son. uh He has said he didn't even know what his son was doing, so uh some gray area there. You know, it's just insulting to voters that they think they can get away with this stuff, that they think they can just get up there and magically change the narrative and no one's going to catch on. Well, I remember,
1: there, the laptop wasn't really a thing and then now it is. And so they think, I mean, they've been doing this for a long time on this storyline. It just keeps tweaking slightly so that we're supposed to pretend we didn't hear what we heard and see what we saw. And I mean, nobody, I mean, we're already hardly talking about the WhatsApp texts that talk about him literally um taking money. I mean, literally that that Hunter Biden is in a text saying to his daughter that he funds the family affairs and we know the money is foreign money. Joe Biden's over there saying I never take foreign money. Well, yeah. technically not if you're taking it from your son who's taking it from a foreign country. But I mean, we got a mess. And yet
0: they've come out with more talking points. Right. It's kind of funny because you can tell when they kind of circulate the memo because everyone starts saying the same thing. So now you got this weather one.
1: Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Apparently, even though they're on the call, they're just talking. They're just talking about the weather. It's not. It's (laughs) never about business. There's like 20 times where the president and, you know, Ben Shapiro made a really good point when he talked about this, is that in other countries, like just the presence of. They think that that means that they can make a deal like he was explaining Chinese culture and some of the th- and literally just just Joe Biden being on yes. the phone is for them. The cue like we're going to be able to, you know, yes. Uh, um, so, well, let's let's just play one clip
0: of the mini weather quotes, weather quotes <laughs> from um, Democrats lately. This is from Representative Jim Himes.
1: Hunter Biden's business problems uh, partner said, uh, yeah, he was on some phone calls talking about the weather. Talking about the weather, exchanging pleasantries, you know, is that in the category of, you know, uh, presidential family members that are problematic? Mm -hmm. Billy Carter, Hugh Rodham, maybe it's in that category, but it is sure and absolutely not a crime. Yeah, I mean, I think this entire line ignores the fact that what they're doing is they're creating, they're demonstrating the brand. They are putting, they know that that means access. They know that means power. And there's even a reference at one point, like if we don't pay up you know why why haven't we settled this matter and then they go on, they go on to basically say something like you know I, i'll remember this and Is everybody that the one in where
0: the, says i got the big guy sitting yes, right here right <laughs> yeah. yes so, so when you know the president's on speed dial it's kind of you know you're implying has, something you're yeah. intending
1: to imply something if you're not directly saying it
0: well i did have to laugh at this federalist headline we're going to put this up on the screen for our youtube viewers trump could have spent January 6th, talking about the weather, (laughs) and he still would have been indicted.
1: Any comment on that? Yeah, I mean... I wish Trump would have spent January 6th talking about the weather because that would have solved everything. But no, but um, I, I do think there's such a double standard and we all know this, but we, we're seeing it play out in such real time because we have such a contrast here between former President Trump and current President Biden and how they're being treated by the media and how the storylines are being fed to the people. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we obviously President Trump is up for reelection. I mean, you know, he's trying to come back to the White House. You've got Biden mm-hmm. trying to be, you know, reelected and they're they're mm-hmm. shaping that election.
0: I just wonder how long that can continue that kind of double standard without a backfire. But we'll we'll see. So I guess we're already starting to see some backfiring um, in the polls. But we'll see what happens. Well, speaking of presidents. Yeah. We have also had some interesting (laughs) developments in the presidential campaign heading into 2024. And it seems like there's been a little bit of shakeup. So we've seen uh, former President Trump seems to have only solidified despite him being in court over and over, the indictments, the efforts to attack him that way, um, he's still holding on very firmly to the base, apparently. It yes. actually
1: looks like every indictment makes a firmer yes. base. And I, I do think that is a reaction to this issue that we're talking about, this narrative. Mm-hmm. People are tired of, of a, a false narrative being driven. And so with every indictment, they just feel like it's one more thing where, they're tr- where the, 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 the government... And the corrupt part of the government and the media are colluding together to squish down a candidate of ours. And so I Mm. think they just kind of voters put their back up and they go, no, Mm. not this time. I'm sticking with my guy. And it's Mm. just an interesting thing to watch. That's an excellent point. Of
0: course, the question
1: is. Is this what the Democrats are intending?
0: Do they are are some right. of them doing this because they want to well, escalate Trump? Well, I mean, Trump? some of the
1: polls will tell you. I mean, you got it depends what poll you 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 read, but some of them will say that Trump cannot he's the only guy that can't beat Biden in certain swing states, and so if that's you know are they trying to do this to make sure he's the nominee to make sure, I, but that could backfire on them because Biden isn't doing so well either. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not like we're talking about a popular president, so I, I don't know. But all right,
0: then. Governor DeSantis, what's happening to him has been a bit surprising. You know, we thought he was strong out there taking on the the woke corporations and standing up to that political correctness in schools with the curriculum. And he seems to be kind of stalling out a little bit. Um, I know he he looks like maybe he had to to, um, do some campaign turnaround. Maybe there were some firings. Yeah. Looks like lost some big donors, or at least that's what's what's being reported. So I I mean, there's always
1: campaign shakeups. That doesn't stress me out. You know, when somebody has to fire their staff and regroup, there's that happens even in ones that end up going on to win. I can think of McCain as a really big example of that. But um, but I do think it's disappointing that he hasn't, um, grabbed more ground because he has been such a successful governor. So I would have expected, because he has done everything that I would think a Republican base would want their leader to do, when you look at the state of of Florida, and he's basically saying, look, I can bring America back that way. I think he needed to come out stronger, and I don't, you know, I'm not a campaign strategist, but I think he needs to be the guy saying, I'm Trump, but not with the baggage. I mean, I think that would have been a much stronger, like, I am bold, I am aggressive, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to disrupt the established order of things, but I don't come with all the indictments. And I think they're afraid to say it that way. And Mm -hmm. I think because of that, he's not being seen as strong enough, which Mm -hmm. I think is interesting. I mean, the Republican Party has been reshaped under Trump. It is not the Reagan era Republican Party. And so the messaging has to be different and something is just not catching fire with him the Mm -hmm. way I think we all thought it would, at least to some degree. I mean, there's plenty of time left. This is not to say he's down and out. Um, I certainly think he's still a very strong contender because I do think people, even though the voters are not as worried about an outsider coming in and becoming an elected official. I mean, Trump was evidence of that. He hadn't had a political Mm -hmm. career. I do think they they can't ignore everything that Governor DeSantis has done in his record and say, oh yeah, that would be, if you could do that for America, that would be strong. Mm. So he's just got to do a better job of putting that forward and, and messaging. Mm. Uh, some candidates lack a clear, short, compelling message that people grab. So go back, I mean, a bazillion years to somebody, and this is, you know, he ended up tanking, but like, think of like a Herman Cain, 999. You know, everybody could remember his tax plan because it was like the only thing that was tagged with him. Sometimes it's just about stickiness. It's I mean, Trump does keep things simple, making America great <laughs> yeah. again. It is so simple. And sometimes we just don't simplify our messages enough. And politicians yeah. do this all the time. They have white papers on every issue. But we don't actually know the simple thing that they really stand for. And I think that yeah. might be a little bit of what they're yeah. struggling with. I would really encourage them to zone in on what is the exact message for the American people. And why am I a better choice than President Trump? Because President Trump yeah, is the incumbent. That's a they're, good point. they're trying to take out an incumbent. That's a good point,
0: because you know all the battles that DeSantis has fought, but how do they all connect together? Right. And what, what is one the one thing? compelling message, yeah. and I
1: think that just hasn't really emerged strong enough. All right.
0: All right, well, at the same time, we have Senator Tim Scott picking yeah, Epstein. Yeah, he's picking up some what ground. What do you think about that?
1: I think that's great. I think this is a great candidate, and, um, you know, if you didn't have a, a Governor DeSantis or a Trump in there, you'd be thrilled with a Tim Scott, right? Like, he's a great— um, he's authentic he's very fun I mean he's just a very um kind of say it as it is kind of guy sometimes and I, I think you kind of get that I don't know sometimes he even breaks into like a preacher mode that kind of yeah. is like this really um interesting uh, yeah so I think it's good he's he's picking up some traction um we'll see if it's enough I mean again you're starting with Iowa that's the big thing trying to win in Iowa but not everybody that wins in Iowa Goes on to win the whole thing. So this is all a strategy question of mm-hmm. you know how and there's always a timing thing. You want momentum, but you want momentum at the right time. So when I mean some people peak too early. I mean it sounds strange, but some some candidates peak too early yeah. and then they don't go on Which to win the whole thing. So could have
0: been a DeSantis. I, it's years.
1: possible that there was so much hype about DeSantis yeah. getting into the race and that it just it, there was almost nowhere to go mm-hmm. but down from the hype. And and you can come back from that, but yeah, it's a tricky calculation. It's,
0: it's a dilemma. Now you were in Iowa, yeah. and heard a lot of these candidates. Yeah, love to hear your impressions from that.
1: Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Every candidate was there except um, President Trump. So we had all the other key players, um, and I would say. There were a lot of surprises that day. They aren't necessarily reflective of the whole campaign. Um, Nikki Haley performed better than anybody expected really? her to. Yes, she was the most conversational, the most comfortable, hit the most issues. It was. It was. But she also got softball questions compared to some of the earlier candidates. So Tucker Carlson was interviewing each one, and you know, being on the uh, other side of Tucker Carlson. So in the morning, he was really, really tough, and that that was. I mean, Pence had to weather that. Asa Hutchinson had to weather that, and. Um, and, and he got a little bit easier in the afternoon, I think because he got some criticism about just how intense his questioning had been. And so all that to say, um, he he got a little softer. So Nikki really shown uh, a lot of people hadn't seen Vivek, and he was he's always compelling. So this guy, he's kind of a Silicon Valley type, but he is so smart, and he has a very compelling message. And so people, I think in the audience who had never heard him, were really wowed by that. Um the, the deal, though, is the guy never voted till 2020. I mean, never even cast a vote. So he can be the most amazing orator, but you better make sure the guy is ready to actually be president. And so people have to really evaluate that. So it's not just a speech, but his speech was very compelling. And then DeSantis was great. He actually was really good in Iowa. Um, sometimes he's not as good, people say, with the one on one handshake, kind of like the consumer um, mm-hmm. politics, the the. Showing up at the store and one-on-one, yes, that stuff. Um, But he's always very good. I mean, he's good at interviews. He's good at speeches, and he hit the issues. He hit them well, so that was good. And then Tim Scott was interesting. Um, He just made a strategic blunder, and it kind of affected the way the audience viewed him. He, um, so Tucker and he are here having an interview, and instead of him responding and having a kind of a conversation with Tucker, he would get out of his chair and kind of give a speech to the audience, and actually turn put his back to Tucker. (laughs) And the audience just didn't receive it well. His content was good. People liked him, Scott. But that day wasn't his shining moment. My but obviously, audience, he's bounced yeah. back because he's that was before he's really kind of started to rise back. Probably had back. the wrong coaching on that one. I think he got the wrong coaching. <laughs> and he was like first out of the box. And I think if he had seen the others, or I don't know if they were allowed to. I don't know how those rules yeah. work. But I think that was just a, a strategic blunder on presentation but nothing that you know can't be overcome
0: do you feel like when you are there and can see them in person it's just kind of a different dynamic than what we get when they're on our television screens
1: it is and it so much matters what questions they're asked I mean you know when you're H. 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 Hutchinson they went right to the fact that he vetoed a puberty blocker bill that we all disagreed with so he from the moment of go in that interview he was on the defensive um Pence also got really really hammered very early on and so um, but we need somebody that can take all that. Right. Like you want a yeah. candidate because they're going to be in a debate. They're going to be in a ton of media interviews. Um, but it is interesting. To just watch how they react when they're put in the hot seat because. So I mean, who uh, took it the best? Then? Um I think DeSantis did the best overall of, of hitting the issues he needed to hit, handling harder questions. I, mm-hmm. I think he did he the best. He does do well with the media. Yeah.
0: Um, well, any if you just had uh, one takeaway from all that, you want to give the audience, is there anything?
1: I just always remind people that even when you see them in person, it's about... The whole package so you never want to so even if you get to go to one of these forums or you hear all the candidates it's never about that day you've got to look at the record you've got to look at what they've done um, you've got to you've, you've got to understand the whole person because again like i said a shining speech or great in the media can be one facet but that doesn't get you all the way to the white house and you know i think people if were looking for a candidate i mean most republicans are looking for a candidate that's going to beat president biden and that's the number one qualification we need and who you know who can actually take out the current president. Mm-hmm. So, All right. That's interesting. Yeah. Thank you for
0: that. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of presidential candidates, there was an earlier candidate that dropped out, and we have some interesting news about that one. You want to share with us? Yeah.
1: We are really excited that Secretary uh, Mike Pompeo is going to be our gala speaker for this year. So September 23rd, we're gearing up for our annual big event in Richmond that everybody, I mean, it's always, you know, a packed house, mutually, literally um, sold out. And um, and we're really excited that he's going to come. He was, you know, the 70th secretary of state under President Trump. So that's what people kind of know him from most recently. Mm -hmm. He was a former director of the CIA. Um, But really, I think people if you haven't followed him well, you might not know. But he's just so strong on religious freedom. That's really where his heart is um, and I think has done such a great job with that. And. Um, actually, incidentally, the weekend before our gala, he's coming out with a movie on Israel. It's called mm. Route 60, and it's all about Israel. Okay. And so I think for our folks that really pay attention to matters in Israel, he's mm-hmm. got a sweet spot in their heart because he's passionate about um, God's people and, um, and, and the promised land and
0: Well, I did want to share with our audience uh, this little clip from a CBN interview back in the day when he first started out with Trump. And it kind of gives you some good, just a little good um, clip of where he's coming from with his faith. So let's just play that for a minute.
1: Mike Pompeo's life so far includes a growing list of accomplishments. Eagle Scout, first in his class at West Point. Harvard Law, Congress, and the first Not American produce. to ever hold the top jobs at both the CIA and the State Department. His number one on the list remains a faithful decision, though, made back in college. Can you take me back to West Point? Uh, I, I know there was a, a time in your life where there was a decision point for you uh, about just you know following Christ.
0: So I grew up uh, going to church on Sundays. Um, but frankly, it wasn't a priority in my life. Uh, uh, growing up, I, I went off to West Point, and as a young cadet during my freshman year, there were two uh, young men who were juniors who were true men of faith, uh, and they held these uh, little uh, uh, Bible study slash uh, cookie clatches on Sunday afternoons, uh, and they invited all the cadets to come see it. It was purely voluntary, and I started showing up, and truly remarkable. Uh, so I started going to church every weekend on my own because I wanted to be there to learn and to grow. Uh, and uh, at some point during that first year, I really did come to have an understanding of Jesus that was different than the one that I had before, and it fundamentally changed my life
1: yeah I mean here's a guy who's pretty much kind of ridiculed really for uh, they called him God's diplomat right like you know that it was almost but but I mean the, the, I loved that the New York Times really had this to say that no secretary of state in recent decades has been as open and fervent as M- Mr. Pompeo about discussing Christianity and foreign policy in the same breath because um, I think that's what we want out of our leaders is that they're authentic about mm-hmm. their faith and that it drives their decisions and so anyway I think he's yeah, that
0: great God's <laughs> diplomat was the label the Washington Post right, put on right. there and he, but he He did advocate strongly for religious freedom whatever country he was going to and just exposing where we were where leftists were hurting religious freedom um so i'm excited about him coming give us that date again
1: yeah september 23rd so you can go ahead on our website at familyfoundation.org and you can there's a banner right up top and you can go click on that and figure out how you want to sponsor table bring your friends Um, a lot of church groups come together and so forth so it's gonna be a great night put it on your calendar now All right. Well, that wraps up our
0: show for today. Um, Remember to share our playlist, our Speak Up Virginia playlist. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Apple or Spotify or some of those audio versions, be sure to like us and give us a five-star review to help us get the word out there more. And remember, we are stronger when we speak together.